0: You know, I told Tim that um, there's a difference between being ugly in a sweater and wearing an ugly sweater. Somebody say amen, right? (laughs) Uh, You know, last week he texted me after uh, one of the services and says, hey, you may want to see what I did about you, uh, what I said. And yeah, you know, his, uh, why is the carpet all wet, Todd? And I think the actual line that comes after that, if you know it, you can help me with it. It's, I don't know, Margo. Right? So, (laughs) there you go. Um, You know, um, I'm so glad that you're here. And we love to have fun around here at uh, Parkview, whether it's Christmas time or any other time of the year. We believe that gathering up together, coming together... Uh, should be fun and we should be able to uh, enjoy each other Ch- Tim enjoys me uh, a lot, uh, making fun of me a lot So he, he, he actually really, really gets into it um, But the, part of the reason we're wearing these sweaters, these ugly sweaters during this Christmas series Is because we realize that Christmas can be really exciting and fun and amazing But Christmas also for many of us can be really hard can be really difficult. It can be, it can be kind of ugly at times. We realize that there's a whole lot of beauty in the Christmas season, but there's also just a lot of brokenness in the Christmas season. So we're wearing these sweaters to start out the different messages in this Christmas series, just to remind us, if you see a lot of excitement and beauty in Christmas, that's okay. okay. But if your Christmas looks a little kind of, you know, odd and strange and ugly and hard and messy... That's okay too. Uh, that's just the way it is. And uh, so we're wearing these sweaters. I'm actually going to do a little Mr. Rogers and, and take this thing off because Tim said I could. Um, and we're in this series, right? Called, should I fold it or should I just, anyway, I'm, I'm good. We're in this series called Unraveled, all right? And, um, We're in the third week of this series, and the message that I'm going to bring today, that we're going to uh, look at and study today, is on a topic that uh, I've been wrestling with personally for many, many years. And I've been helping people wrestle with this for many years, but I've never ever put together really a message and talked about this until today, until this weekend, And the message that I want us to look at and bring and dive into is based on this very Christmassy verse in the book of Matthew. It's a pretty famous verse. You're probably familiar with it from Matthew chapter 1. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Would you say those last three words with me? God with us. God with us. Whether you've been around church a long time or just a little bit, you've probably seen this verse somewhere. You've probably heard that, God with us. And I think for the most part, all of us on all of our campuses around here at Orland, New Lenox, Homer Glen, everybody online, we probably buy into that. God with us. Sounds good. God with our world, with humanity. God's probably with humanity. God with us. Okay, sure. God with us our nation? Yeah, probably. God, God's probably, is he with our nation? Probably a lot of us would say, yeah, he definitely is. With Parkview? God, is, is God with Parkview? All of us would probably say, well, yeah, I mean, God is with us. We, we get that whole God is with us idea, but when it starts to get personal and it goes from God with us to God with me, then we kind of, well, I, I, I don't know how I feel. I, I don't know how close I feel. Now, now of course, God is with us, But what happens when you don't always feel like God is with you? He feels distant or millions of miles away. That's what I want us to dive into today. And I want us to take some time to consider how we can gain back during this Christmas season some of the proximity, some of the closeness of not just God with us, but God with me. In my daily life with my kids, with my grandkids. So here's a question to start us out heading in the same direction How do you know what you know about God? How do you know what you know about God? Think about that for just a moment. Maybe if you're honest, you would say, I don't think I've ever really thought necessarily about that question, Todd. And I, I Todd. Um, you know Christmas vacation I, 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 uh, I don't know how I know what I know about God okay how do you know what you know about God I think for a lot of us again if, if you and I were able to sit down and have a coffee later this afternoon somewhere and I asked you how do you know what you know about God and you had to really sort it out we know about God from probably lots of different places some of us would say I know about God from my parents and my grandparents a lot of what I know comes from them. For me, that's definitely the case. My parents and grandparents, fantastic followers of Jesus. Uh, my parents did not always do things perfectly, I know, in their faith. But what they passed on to me, I watched them serving. I watched them giving their lives and their energy to different people and being others-centered in their life. And so a lot of I know what I know about God comes from my parents and grandparents. And maybe, maybe that's where you would be today as well. And that's great. That's fantastic. Maybe you would say it wasn't them. Maybe you would say it was a a pastor somewhere in your life. And that's how you know a lot about God. Pastor Tim has been around here at Parkview for 72 years. It's uh, 30, 31, 32 years, something like that. Sorry. It feels like, no, he's, anyway, uh, he's been here for 30 plus years. And truly for Tim and Denise, his, his wife, their le- and, and, and many other pastors, Bill, uh, Pastor Bill and Teresa, and so many of them, their legacy of faith and all of the energy and serving, for a lot of you who have been around here for decades, probably a lot of what you know and understand about God comes from some different pastors in your life, and that's, that's fantastic. That's great. You know this, there's also thousands and thousands of people who call Parkview home who grew up or came to Parkview from the Catholic Church, which is a great thing. And so you would say, a lot of what I know about God came from my priest growing up. They, they would talk to God. They would go to God. They would tell us what we need to you know, know about God. And so just to tell them, just being honest, a lot of what I know comes from the priest that I grew up with. And again, that is not hundreds. That is thousands of folks around here some of you might say it's from an author I love to read or this point or this point in my life it's from an author that's how I know a lot of what I know about God for me I planted and started a church in Simi Valley area of California years back in the Thousand Oaks area right near the Reagan Library if you're familiar with that and uh, we were just a couple of miles away from this uh pastor named Francis Chan. I don't know if you know who Francis Chan is. You're we just a couple miles from him. And he wrote this incredible book called Crazy Love. And millions of people got this book. And lots of people learned about who God was from Francis and this book, Crazy Love. And listen, here's what I want you to know. This is great. This is, this is fantastic. At, at some point in our lives, for, for most all of us, faith In God and what we know about God has been passed on to us by someone else that's just kind of how it works and if your faith has been passed on to you by your parents or grandparents or your pastor your priest or your favorite author or something like that that should be celebrated that should absolutely be cherished in, in your life that's a good thing but I'd go back to this question again but how do you know what you know about God for you personally when we dig into the story of Christmas and we look at the story, we realize that a big part of the reason that Jesus came and was born into this world at Christmas time was to restore and to build the bridge for you and for me to be able to go to God directly and have that relationship, communication, proximity to God. In fact, just a, just a quick history, a, a few thousand years history here uh, leading up to when Jesus was born. We're coming up to this Christmas season. Here's a few thousand year history. Are you ready? Uh, go all the way back in the beginning of the Bible to the book of Genesis. You have Adam and Eve, right? And Adam and Eve are created. God puts them in the garden. And I really believe if you asked Adam and Eve this question, how do you know what you know about God? Adam and Eve would have probably said, well, it, uh, we... we uh, We walk with him, we we hang out with God, we we talk with God, we're close, he tells us not to eat things, right? It's just like we have this relationship, right? That's how we know what we know about God. You go just a little bit further, a few generations after Adam and Eve, and God was his people's king. God was the king. They could go to him. But the people of Israel, God's people, you know, they started wanting a king, not God to be their king. They wanted an earthly king. Everybody else around them had their own king. And so we want a king to go for us. And so God gives them a king. He gives them Saul. And then pretty soon after they have a king, they start having prophets and they start having priests and things like that. And what these folks would do is they would end up going to God on these people's behalf half and interceding for God. And, and if you had ask people uh, living in the, these early centuries, how do you know what you know about God? Probably many of them would have said, well, it's from that prophet. It's from those priests who tell us things. And, and I would say this, This is just the way that I process this in my life I've never actually processed this before just like this But I think it's going to make sense to us by the time we get done to the end of our study today And it's going to be exciting and challenging and it's going to be a new thing for us to to really consider I would say that a lot of people living in that first century had what I would call this A surrogate faith A surrogate faith You know what a surrogate mom is, right? A surrogate mom or a surrogate mother is a mom who carries a baby that's not her own. It's for someone else. It's a beautiful, amazing thing, but she's carrying this baby for for another person. So a surrogate faith is a faith that I carry or that you would carry or somebody we know would carry that is not exactly their own, right? Or or maybe not a surrogate faith. Maybe we could call it a, a second-hand faith that's come to us. Through someone else which again we've talked about can be a great beautiful thing it's the way it usually always happens in our life or maybe it could be called a borrowed faith or something like that let's hang out here and pause for just a moment let's let's kind of double click down into this idea of surrogate or secondhand or borrowed faith let me ask you to think about this don't raise your hand or shout out or anything but think about this what is the biggest thing you have ever borrowed? What's the biggest thing you've ever borrowed from someone? For me, there's lots of things. But I probably, in my mind, I'd go back to when my wife and I, Renee, were first married. We were living in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we bought our first house. It was $61,000. We had a $391 mortgage, principal and interest, taxes, and insurance. And I thought, this we're never going to pay this. This is insane. This will never happen. And uh, pretty much everything we had was secondhand. Maybe you've been there. In our house, all of our furniture, secondhand. Our beds, secondhand. Our TV, secondhand. Uh, Our car, our car was always secondhand. Everything we had was secondhand and borrowed. And in our house, in our our home we bought, we had like a half acre, a little over a half acre lot there in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, And and I can just remember I had this old second hand on its last leg made in, I think, the 1960s push lawnmower. And it took me hours and hours and hours, and it didn't work. It didn't cut right. It didn't even really cut the lawn. And my neighbor, my neighbor was about 10 or 12 years ahead of me, and my neighbor had this incredible, beautiful, glorious, I could say, (laughs) mower. Here's the kind of mower he had. He had this green John Deere that when I would see it, it would like, oh, you know, it was like the... Hallelujah chorus, and he let me borrow his mower for about two years. I think it's because he didn't want my yard sitting next to his yard in the way it was cut. But it had like a little radio kind of thing on it. You know, the deck went up and down. Um, It it had different speeds that you could do and stuff like that. And it, it it was fantastic. But here's what I knew. Every time I did it, and especially when I got into like the second year, here's what I knew. I knew at some point I had... I had to own my own mower I couldn't just forever borrow his mower and so I saved up I looked in the paper remember when you had to look in the paper for things you wanted to buy I looked in the paper and I got me one of these a Murray and it looked just like that I mean I would armor all the tires The deck didn't do anything. I had duct tape on the seat, all of that. It was not as shiny. It was not as powerful. It was not as efficient, but it was mine. It was mine, even though it wasn't as shiny or powerful as my neighbor's. And it was kind of my neighbor to allow me to borrow his mower all that time. But at some point, I knew I needed to own my own mower. It's kind, it's healthy, it's noble, it's good for our parents, our grandparents, pastors and priests to introduce us to faith and let us borrow their experience and their wisdom and their understanding of God. But there comes a time in our lives where we want to own our own faith and relationship. With God, there comes a time for many of us when we become a bit weary of borrowing borrowing someone else's faith, and we long to have our own faith and relationship with God, even if it's not as shiny or powerful as theirs. It's mine. What my journey looked like and maybe you can resonate with this I tried to think this through of what my faith journey kind of looked like and maybe you can see yourself in it in the past or even right now I would say in the first trimester of my life maybe birth through 12 years old I carried my parents faith and I have already talked about that they're incredibly faithful people and I drifted a lot off of them and that's wonderful. That's fantastic. In the second trimester, 13 to 17 or so, I carried my youth pastor's faith. I had an incredible youth pastor. His name was Reggie Epps. He's still pastoring today in Kansas City. I learned so much of what I know about God and I drifted so much off of him and what he thought and knew about God. And then in maybe the third trimester in my early 20s and that sort of thing. I carried my professors in college and my favorite author's faith and the people I were reading and, and things like that. <clears throat> and I actually had a really interesting thing happen in college. It was the first time I'd really experienced it. And that is one of my favorite authors. I'd read several of his books. One of them I really, really liked. He fell into a very, very, very sinful season in his life. And that rocked me. Because so much of my faith was in Him. So when he, that happened, it rocked me. And maybe you've experienced that before. And so what I'm saying is by my mid-twenties, I knew a lot about God. But I didn't yet really personally know God as much. Much of everything that I knew about God came to me from someone else. I had more of a surrogate, second-hand, borrowed Faith, and I'm telling you, here's what I want to make sure. I don't want to diminish that. I am grateful for that, and it was great. It worked, but I wanted more. It worked, but I wanted more, even, again, if it wasn't as shiny or powerful as my parents or my pastors. And maybe that describes some of even where you are. You couldn't put your finger on it exactly, but you understand, even right now, some of that tension That I am describing, that you feel like a lot of what you know comes from other folks. And here's what I want us to just realize again about Christmas. The story of Christmas is that Jesus makes a way for each of us to own our own faith in Him to our Father God in heaven. And listen, listen, you don't have to do this, but Jesus came. So you could. He came so you and I could go directly to God and have that relationship and proximity to him. It's an incredible thing to think about, really. The God of the universe being able to have that intimacy and with, with God. So here's what I want to do for just the next little bit. I want to just share some ways with you that you can dive in and own your own faith some of these things you may already be doing and you're like man got it doing that some of these things I'll just share a few or maybe things like man I'd never even thought about that I need to do that and I promise if you'll just begin to do some of those and weave these into your life you'll be on your way more and more to just owning your own it'll feel more personal to you and it'll grow more and more powerful so these are some things for you for your kids for your grandkids whoever let's start at ground zero The first thing to owning your own faith is believe and accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It's fantastic that your friend who introduced you to faith, your parents have accepted Jesus, your pastor, hopefully your pastor has Jesus, okay? It's great that they have accepted Jesus in their life, your favorite author, that's fantastic, but you also need to do that. You need to have a moment in your life where you say I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior you're plunged in the water and baptized into him Jesus says clearly in Matthew or I'm sorry John chapter 16 Jesus told him I am the way the truth and the life no one can come to the Father except through me sometimes if you're feeling like man I just don't feel I was raised in this Christian home but I don't feel that close to God my question is have you stepped forward and personalized your faith have you accepted him And if you've never done that, that's where I'd start. I would talk to somebody today around the campus, out in the lobby, your friend, and say, how do I do that? How do I personally step into this relationship with Jesus that allows me this personal relationship with God, right? That's the first thing. So some of you have already done that, but maybe during this Christmas season, some of you want to do that. Here's another thing. Begin to listen to the voice of God. Begin to listen to God's voice. John chapter 10, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Here's the thing about this. How how do you learn to listen to a voice of a person you can't even see? It's like, it's like Jesus, God is out here with flesh and blood. It's like I talk to people about this a lot. How do you, how do you, you I mean, you listen, Todd? Really? I mean, like, you talk to and, and you hear from? Really? How? Over the last few days on my social media, different social media accounts, I just asked people, how do you hear from God? How, how do you feel like God speaks to you in your life? Here's a few of the things that people said. Some of them said, through pictures. God gives me pictures in my mind, in my imagination, in my dreams. God God puts impressions on me. Some people said through my family. God speaks to me through my family. Some people said through friends. Some people said God actually speaks to me through strangers. I've had God speak to me through a complete stranger. Some even said that that would maybe be an angel, that 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 could be an angel. Some people believe, maybe you believe, that God spoke to you through an angel. An angel doesn't always, you know, it doesn't always. An angel is just a messenger. That's what the word angel means, messenger. It doesn't have to be the person in the white robe and the wings. You're know, like, oh, definitely an angel right there. I just saw him. I mean, hello, thank you all. Listen, a lot of times if, if, if it happened like that, it would be fantastic, but it doesn't. A lot of times it's just a stranger who comes up to you in Starbucks, all right? From my experience personally, a lot of times God speaks to me through just impressions on my heart. A lot of people said God would speak to me through the time I spend in the Bible and, and, and reading uh, the Bible, and I think that's huge. If you're wondering how you can hear from God and how God speaks to you, I would say spend some time in the Bible. Look at what this verse says in Second Timothy. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, the whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us to do what is right. The Bible helps us understand God and and to learn how God is speaking to us. And so here's another thing. Here's another thing if you're thinking about how I come closer to God, it's not just listening to his voice, it's not just accepting Jesus into your life as your personal savior, but it's beginning to read and listen to the Bible on your own. Spending just some time in the Bible reading it or listening to it on your own. It's, it's, It's great that we come together on the weekend like this and we study the Bible together and we pull apart verses and we put them on the screen and that sort of thing, that's fantastic. We're called to come together and to learn and to grow and to study. We are called to do that. But consider if that's the only time we do that, how hard that actually makes it to be healthy and to grow. If the only time we really spend time listening and studying God's word is on like a Sunday morning. In fact, maybe to uh, think about that and imagine it, let's think about the Bible being our spiritual food, just like we have regular food in our lives. And let's just go with me on this for a moment. Let's say that next weekend, for the next couple weekends leading into the new year, on, on all of our campuses, Orland Park, Homer Glen, New Lenox, when you come in, out in the lobby, there is a huge smorgasbord of food. I mean, it, it is massive. There's, there's a huge dessert table uh, over there. Uh, there's, there's a bread. There's a whole area with bread. Okay, some of you are like, there you go. Fresh baked bread right there. There's, a, there's an Italian place over there. There's a whole uh, taco bar, Mexican place. There's, of course, we're in Chicago. There's a, there's a pizza area, you know, with all of our, all of our favorites. Of course, the, the, there's a huge beggars section. Um, and so it's just, there's food everywhere, okay? And so you come in and here's the thing, it's all free. You come to Parkview, you're part of this place, it's just free. You, you can have whatever you want, all of what you want. You can bring your friends, doesn't matter. You can have everything you want, but here's the catch. Here's the catch. If you decide to eat any of that, you can't eat again till next Sunday. No eating again. You can have whatever you want, but no eating again until next week. Now, how would that work? Does that, does that make sense? I mean, you would, you would, by, by, Sunday, by tonight, you would be upset. You would be irritable. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> You would be angry. Here's the thing. You would be physically malnourished. Right? And so I just think through that in your life, but also in mine. I spend time reading this and studying this to to preach and share with people, but still for me, listen, listen. I struggle in this just... What if, what if we only read and study the Bible one day a week, and, which is awesome and fantastic, but, but how, what does that do spiritually? How, can, how are we spiritually not well nourished? And so I would say begin to read and listen to the Bible on your own, on a regular basis. And then when you do that, just begin to write down what you read. When you're reading the Bible, what do I do? Do I just read it and then I'm done? How do, I, how do I listen to God? How do I get closer to God? I've read the Bible, but here, when you're done reading it, even if it's just a few verses or one chapter, then just begin to write down what you're reading or listening to in the Bible. And I know some of you right now are saying, okay, he's, I know what he's doing. He's, he's talking about journaling, again, he's just, he's doing the journaling thing, and some of you love journaling, some of you, as soon as I said that, you know, you're already thinking about going to Target after this, and you're getting the colored pens, and the stickers, and the notebooks, and all that kind of stuff, you're ready to go, and, and some others of you are going, really, seriously, journaling, I'm not doing it, I'm not, here's the thing, here's the thing, journaling, writing down what you're reading the Bible, writing down these things and impressions from God, is just keeping track of what God is doing, the movements of God in your life, and if you like to write, write a lot, if you don't like to write much, Write just a little bit. But begin to keep track of what God is doing in your life. And I promise you, you will feel closer. You will feel closer to God. How much stronger do you think you would be in 2022 if you had just kept track each day or each week of the movements and the activity of God in your life during all of 2021? Sometimes for me, the only way I can know that God hasn't lost his voice in my life is to go back and look at how he has moved. And I go, oh yeah, God is with me. Of course he's with us, but he's also with me. And sometimes I have to go back and look at it to remember that he really is. So just begin to write down what you read and what you listen to in the Bible. And then for the sake of today, here's the last thing I would say, and that is just begin, begin to serve, begin to dive in, begin to step up and step out and put that faith that you want to have and you want to be your own, put it into action. I know this may sound self-serving because we're always talking about needing people to serve around here at Parkview, but it's not self-serving. This is, this, this is, of course, one of the greatest ways to actually feel close to God. And we have all of these Christmas Eve services coming up, and I encourage you to invite someone to come, to bring someone with you, right, to, to have this ticket and, and s- say, set right beside me. But I also invite you to sign up and, and to dive in. And, and to serve in God's kingdom and see, see what that does to your heart and your faith and how you feel. It's incredible. Here, I can tell you that because it happens for me. Here's, here's a picture of me just a few days ago um, this week. I, uh, I'm, I'm the one on the right. Um, <laughs> I signed up to, I'm just going to shoot straight with you about serving, Okay. I signed up to serve a few weeks ago in a live nativity scene at church, okay, and so I thought it would be great, you know, usually when you get all excited to sign up to serve, which happened to me at church, and you know, you're like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, Todd said, I'm going to serve, it's going to be amazing, you can get really amped up at church to serve, and I was amped up to be a shepherd, I'm a shepherd in scene 9. Okay, it's a live nativity. There's nine different scenes that people come to. I was the adult shepherd, so I was in charge of Pongo, this cow, and also three other sheep and also a couple of donkeys. Okay, and I had, I had the night, the evening shift from 7 to 10 or 10.30. And I'll just be honest with you, I was fired up to do it, but then when Wednesday came around, I'm sitting there, it's been dark for several hours, we've already eaten dinner, and all I, I was thinking, all I want to do is just like be on the couch with Netflix and my wife. I don't want to go be a shepherd. I don't want to dress up. I don't want to be I don't want to be near a cow. I don't want to smell like a cow. <laughs> I have allergies. I have allergies. I don't need to be around that, right? And that's probably how you will feel. You'll feel excited to sign up and then the time comes for the morning or afternoon or evening to serve and you're going to be like, "Oh crud. Man, I signed up to serve. I got to go work with the little ones or I got to go greet" And you're going to feel the same way I did. And then I did it. And by the time I was sitting in my car at 10.30, 10.45 at night, had taken off all the shepherd's stuff and seen hundreds and hundreds of cars and people walk through, it's hard to describe as I was sitting in my car by myself how close I felt to God. He felt like he was right there in my car with me. It's like, man, that's, it was mine. I stepped out, I did it and I'm just telling you if you want to take that step into owning your own one of the best ways is to jump in step up and step out and serve somewhere when the day comes you won't want to do it but by the time you're done you'll be glad you did it's the way it usually works so a few closing thoughts on this a few closing thoughts and we'll pray and sing together and head out into this exciting week this idea of surrogate second-hand borrowed faith isn't anything new. It's been going on for centuries. When Jesus was born, Christmas time, most people living in that first century had a second-hand faith. It was just easier to let someone else go to God for them. And so they would hear from God from these prophets, these priests what they needed to do, and the thing was that wasn't working super well from God's perspective, and so Jesus came into this world to make a way that we can go to God, have that personal relationship, and own our own faith. And I think there's probably a couple of reasons, there's probably many, but two reasons specifically that I can think of that Jesus did this, that God knew this, and that you and I should give the energy it takes to do some of these things and own our own faith. The first thing is that Jesus knew that at some point in our lives, the people who have given us faith, which is incredible, are going to fall short in big or small ways. The people who gave you your faith in God are going to fall short. And when we put all of our faith in people and put them up on pedestals, there's usually going to be problems. And God knew, you're going to need to have a faith in me who is never going to fail you, who is never going to let you down, who is, who is always going to be there rather than some other just really good person in your life. And another reason I think Jesus knew that this was important and God knew that this was important is because at some time in your life, I promise you this is true of you, at some point in your life, God is going to have wisdom for you. God is going to have guidance for you that your parents don't know, that your pastor, I don't know, that your friends, that your favorite author don't know. So how will you know what God wants you to know if everything you know about God comes from someone else? We need to begin that journey, if we haven't already, of learning how to hear from God. And Jesus knew it would be important for us to be able to hear from God personally and own our own faith. If you've been taking notes today, you have a lot of this written down. If you haven't, maybe you can just write this down or you can take a picture of it. Here's the things that we talked through. Maybe just take a picture of that. Believe and accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That'd be a first step. Begin to listen to the voice of God. There's lots of ways to do that. Begin to read and listen to the Bible on your own. Spend some time tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday just reading a little bit on your own. Then whatever it is you read, begin to write that down. What you listen to or what you read, just if you like to write, write a lot. If you don't, write a little. And then dive in and begin to serve. Step up and step out and just see how close and how real God and his kingdom feel. All of these things and owning your own faith, listen, listen, this won't happen overnight. But it can happen over time. It can happen over time. Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for this weekend. Thanks for this season that we're in, as exciting as it is, but also as ugly and messy as it can be. God, we, we need, no matter whether we're on cloud nine or whether we feel we are distant, distant, we, we need to be able to hear from you. And God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus into this world To make a way for us to have a personal relationship, proximity with you. God, I pray today that you would just stir each of our hearts in different ways. And you would help us to want to want you more. Step up and step out into that reality. Thank you for this time to study and sing thank you for being our Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen.